Welcome to episode 51 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings. I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Jackson the Sun, coming to you live from inside the corpse of a crime boss's brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. And this week, we are covering a bloody horror action flick from 2012, No One Lives which is currently streaming on Tubi. And we are honored to be joined by our guest, the co-host of the Kill the Dead podcast, Ash. Ash, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing wonderful. Doing absolutely wonderful. So, no one lives. Note to self, do not order the fish. Hey, are you guys from around here? Please, we don't want any trouble. Don't. Yeah, don't. You're not the type. Trust me. I know the type. Where are we? Last place on Earth. No! What were you doing in the trunk of that car? You killed him, Mike. Please tell me he's dead. He's gonna come and he's gonna kill you all. Do you people have any idea what you're dealing with? You should have run while you had the chance. Um, here is the IMDb synopsis, which is confusing as always. Um, <laughs> a gang of ruthless highway killers kidnap a wealthy couple traveling across country only to shockingly discover that things are not what they seem. Um, nah. Some of that is right. <laughs> yeah, some of it. <laughs> it seems like they watch the trailer and then write the summary. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. So, Ash, this was your choice. Why No One Lives? I, I chose this because I feel like I have not, like, hear a lot of shows talk about this movie. I mean, this movie's about like seven, eight years old now, and it's just, it's been around for a while now. I just haven't heard much talk about it, and I think this movie deserves to be talked about. Yeah, so, so. When, when did you first see it, Ash? Do you remember? Um, I want to say it was probably about a year or two ago, and oh, okay. um, so I was, yeah, I'm late to it, but <laughs> it was on Shudder. So, you know, like on Shudder, they have the three sections, like, slashics and psychological and right. like the special shutter showings and i came across it on that and i was just captivated i mean i just didn't know what to expect i don't right. know what made me sit there and watch it but i was like oh i am glad i did like this movie i was not expecting it <laughs> yeah so, yeah so thank yeah, you yeah. shutter yeah absolutely so um, Jackson, I, I think I know the answer to this, but when did you first see No One Lives? Last night and this morning. I had to watch it in <laughs> two parts because it was too much for me, I think. Um, no, you, you know what? I, I, it got off on the wrong foot with me, I'll admit. The first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, where's this going? I'm not enjoying this. I think I even messaged you on Twitter. I was like, I don't think I like this movie. Yep. But then, you know, the twist comes and we're just thrown right into it. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm along for the ride here. And uh, it was a good time. Yeah, I agree. I finished it an hour ago for the first time. And um, 
I'll just go ahead and say it. I had a great time. So um, let's talk about the plot. At first, um, maybe I'm alone here, but I thought it was a couple with marriage problems and perhaps Luke Evans, the quote unquote protagonist, we'll talk more mm-hmm. about that, um, had cheated on his wife and they had to move. Nope. Um, <laughs> essentially, we learned that Luke Evans, known only in the credits as the driver, has apparently murdered 14 college students and kidnapped uh, two of them and planted tracking devices in them. They run afoul of a gang who just botched a robbery and Flynn, the main antagonist, has decided to kidnap the couple. And that turns out to be a really, really bad idea. Um, And they discover a missing heiress in the trunk. So here's my first question, Ash. Um, Is Luke Evans a pure psychopath? Is he like a sex slave master or what's going on there? You know what? It took me a couple of viewings to understand what in the world is going on with this character. Yeah. He's just a straight up psychopath. I think you're right. Just straight up. Like he has no no chill. (laughs) I mean, they don't really go in too much depth of like what makes him do the things that he's doing. But it's just what they do show you is that he is just a straight up psychopath. He has no reasons to do it. So, yeah, we never really learn. I mean, it's kind of hinted that he's trying to teach, like Emma and so forth, how to be think for themselves and be a survivor. But I'm not even sure this qualifies as like a scared straight program. I mean, whoa, um, it, uh, Jackson, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh... I have no idea, man. All I know is uh, he's pretty messed up. He's one of those guys that will disguise selfish actions as uh, selfless ones. Like, oh, I'm trying to enlighten you. I'm trying to expand your mind. No, dude, you're kidnapping and torturing her. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not uh, something she would have willingly signed up for. And he puts her in a lot of binds. We see even in flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he kind of plays mental games with her to try to drive her to the edges of insanity, it feels like. And, um, you know, I, I feel like he is a very captivating character just because we have no idea what he's going to do, what he's going to do next. I mean, he is off the rails. Um, he obviously needs some help, but he's so charming that he can just out talk his way out of anything. And if that doesn't work, he's got the muscle to back it up. Yeah, so definitely the characteristics of a psychopath. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he doesn't seem, I mean, because they, they raise that several times. Like when the quote-unquote gang leader, when he's hanging him over whatever that thing is, that, you know, and uh, the guy says, well, you're just a serial killer. And he's almost like offended by it. It's like, why would you just have referred to me as something as petty as a serial killer? I mean, he doesn't he doesn't seem to get it, but I think, Ash, you're right. I mean, that that means he's a straight up sociopath, right? He doesn't see any problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, he just seems to think this is somehow either normal or should be normal. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, yeah, I was sitting there and, and this is the thing. Unlike you, Jackson, I was engaged from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? I was engaged from the very beginning. Um, I like Luke Evans and everything I've seen him in. 
And so I was sold. The botched robbery goes wrong. I thought that was done very well. Um, but man, oh man, when it takes a turn, it takes a turn. And I'm still, so I finished it an hour ago. And right up until we jumped on, I was still going, okay, but wait a minute. Who's the protagonist and the antagonist? Is there? <laughs> let, let me just ask this question to you, Ash. Other than, you know, the two women that he's kidnapped, Emma and is the other one, was it Brittany, I think? Um, Betty? Betty, yes, Betty. Emma and Betty. Other than those two, are there any good people in this movie? I would like to think so. I want to say, oh, gosh. The the gang leader's daughter. The What's daughter. What's her name? Okay. Amber, I believe. Yes. She's the one that is it Emma who says of her, you just killed the only one with a soul? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, you can tell she didn't want any part of it. I mean, she doesn't need the money. She has a job. She's a server. She was just minding her own business. She just happens to be the daughter of a gang leader of right. criminal criminals. So Right. Yeah, she's yeah, she you can tell she wants nothing to do with this. She's even trying to keep is it she's the one who tries to keep her boyfriend from like even like there's a woman down there that's going crazy and just like isn't isn't that her? And she's just like, let's just stay out of this. Right. And I would like to think that the boyfriend too could be like a good person. Like you can tell he didn't really want to be part of that gang, but then he it just seemed like he was desperate to feel like he belonged in something. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just almost like he's codependent. Yes. And he's found he's found an identity through this through this group and he just so badly wants to belong that he'll just do anything to kind of have some meaning and some friendship, some connection. Right. And yeah, so all right, you convinced me. At first I thought there were only two good people in this movie. We've ratcheted up to at least three and a half. So, um or four. So, <laughs> I I'll go with you um on on that but i think a lot of people are going to be confused by this but at the same time i ash i see why when you you turn this on shutter and you start watching it it's like what is this because it's it's different mm -hmm. i mean this is not like i was expecting the cliche to come in was like luke evans had actually saved Betty and Emma from something. And, you know, then we get the flashback where it's like where you were talking about Jackson, where he slits his own throat with a box cutter mm -hmm. and gives her the option of saving him or walking away. And it turns out she's in a jail cell, but the jail door's not even locked. And she saves him. And so I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be a turn here where he's like, some kind of ex-Marine, Navy SEAL, whatever. And he's somehow trying to help her. Nope, we never get that explanation. And I give I, credit where credit is due. That that took some guts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like to think that he was probably uh, an ex-Marine or so because, come on, how how does one person become that way? Where where does he get the, the bright idea to do all this? And where does he get the weapons for it? Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, where does the arsenal come from? It's like he's G.I. Joe, man. He's got, because it's not just like he's got some guns and some knives. He's got that, what is that, almost like nail gun machine, bolt throwing thing that he starts throwing at the house. And it's like, what in the world? You and across your back seat? A crossbow with a harpoon in it that like drags people into the forest. Oh my gosh! <laughs> my theory is that he's Batman. He's just got that utility. <laughs> he's Batman something. has lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> and what's crazy is like that tractor, like the 
the tractor attached to his car. I kind of want it. Kind of reminds me of how uh, in Jeepers Creepers, like the the creepers oh, truck is its own yeah. character. Yes. So, yeah. That's true. Because I mean, that thing was just so tiny, and then he's like, "Oh, I'll just walk in in here. I got all all my gadgets and everything I need for this." Like it was just. It was a lot going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on, and they don't feel the need to explain it. They just go with it. You either roll with it or you don't. Right. I it's, mean, that, like, that's it. your own interpretation of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. Um, so this was directed, and I'm going to butcher the name because I'm absolutely terrible, and I apologize for this, with um, with Asian names i went to a private school briefly before i got kicked out back in 1989 where with a good population of asian students they always used to chuckle at the way i tried to pronounce their name so but I'll, i will give this a shot um rehei kitamura who has <laughs> done some great stuff man i mean i did not know he directed this i just wasn't paying attention but he did the midnight meat train with bradley cooper mm-hmm he did a mm-hmm. segment of Mick Garris's Nightmare Cinema. Um, he's done some great stuff. And so when I saw that, I mean, as soon as the credits rolled and I went on IMDb to check this out, I was like, oh, no wonder I thought the cinematography was good. Because I thought the cinematography, the editing, and the effects were really top rate, despite the fact that this had less than a $3 million budget. This is not even a Blumhouse budget. I mean, Blumhouse at least gives you 3.5. They gave him 2.9. Um, and I assume a lot of that budget went to Luke Evans, which we'll talk about the cast in a minute. But, Ash, what's your you know opinion on, I mean, the direction, the effects, the cinematography? I thought the technical aspects were solid. I mean, everything about this film, like photography and everything, was just, it was I don't want to say beautiful, but it was beautiful. Like it was just, <laughs> it was captivating. I mean, it was just like dark and grim. It, I feel like it went along with like the plot of the film. Like oh, good point. The, yeah. the character, I mean, the character driver, that's a, that's just a mean and brutal <laughs> character. And it's like, it shows it's not going to be all like sunshine and happy. And <laughs> I mean, that's a sick character oh. we're dealing with. But, yes. I mean, and- he he used every direction like he you could tell he probably did like research on it uh-huh but like i don't know it was just he did a good job and i'm I actually thought, a fan oh, of yeah. this director oh i am too like i love i think the midnight me train is an underrated horror film from from 2008 you know clive barker adaptation i think it's the best Clive Barker adaptation since maybe Lord of Illusions or so. I think, I think it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I was impressed with it. Jackson, you're the aspiring filmmaker. What'd you think? Oh, uh, yeah, I knew him from, and this is funny cause I didn't know until I looked it up, but it made sense. Uh, final Wars, the Godzilla movie. Uh, ah. because whenever I think, especially the scene where uh, driver and Betty are, are in the car this shot, reverse shot of them talking in the car, I was like, it, this feels like a Godzilla movie whenever you'd have the human characters. I don't know, it was very close up, and it felt very 2D, like everything was on the same plane. And then I looked it up, and sure enough, he's directed a Godzilla movie. But um, 
Yeah, I thought I thought it looked good. That is one of the things that that I definitely focused on in my notes. Uh, editing's good, cinematography's good. I think the color is good as well, where yeah. it's 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 colorful when it needs to be, but also really gritty and grimy in in the scenes that you're supposed to feel that way. Um, but yeah, I think the editing is really strong in some places and kind of lackluster in others. I don't know if that's if they they were probably just focusing on the action scenes, but I feel like it's kind of awkward and maybe purposefully so during some of the scenes when they're talking, like in the diner. Um, and oh, I the- think that's purpose. I think that's on purpose because when we find out later, like, let's talk about this. Betty, you know, we see in that scene where they're in the motel mm-hmm. and she has that scar and he kisses it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, what's that from? Well, later we learn it's a flipping tracking device. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that. Yeah, I thought that was actually really well done. That I, I I'm talking about the scene where uh, I guess Flynn walks up to them and is talking to them. It felt like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the beginning, where they're all just kind of awkwardly looking at each other, and I liked it. But I, I thought I was like, what what is the what is the purpose behind this? It wasn't until later that I discovered everybody at that table is either psychopathic or has some form of Stockholm syndrome. So that probably that that explains it. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely confused me. Also, adding to why it got off on the wrong foot with me. It also probably didn't help that I was watching it, it at uh, midnight, so I was very tired. Uh, the fr- I watched the first half of this while my eyes were barely open. Uh, but there were there were quite a few parts when my eyes rocketed open and i was like oh i should be watching this right now because stuff is going down well yeah but i i know i think that and this i think that the awkward kind of nature of it was on purpose and you know looking back on this to see what the director did mr katamura i think i think that was kind of brilliant actually the way he did all that and how it unfolded and i think so i, I want your opinion on this ash I mean, I, I, you know, Jackson brought up, so Betty may have Stockholm syndrome, may have a little bit of a connection, because it almost feels like she's a little jealous when we later learn, since I know what you were doing, you were out there with her, and we learn later that that's, of course, Emma, who's stuffed into a metal locker, um, and Emma hasn't quite bought into the Stockholm syndrome. Do you think we're on the right track there? Or? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That that seemed like it what was going on to me. It was like Betty seems to have kind of a reluctant kind of Stockholm syndrome with him. It's like she's kind of crossed that line, which which makes me wonder, is he trying to, through all this, kind of create his own family? It kind of seems like that because it's obvious that, yeah, like you said, she was jealous mm-hmm. and Betty and Driver have formed. Like, yeah, she she was one of his old victims, and they happened to have a relationship. They formed a relationship. They fell in love. You could kind of tell that she was, you you could tell she was jealous, and you could tell that she was just fed up, and she just wanted to get out. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe in Driver's um, crazy mental state that he's like, okay, yeah, let me, I want to build a family. Like, I have my girl, like, this could be like my daughter. We could be a family. But at the same time, I kind of, I kind of feel like he was going to replace Betty, and maybe that's mm-hmm. why she felt some kind of way towards Emma. Yeah. So I mean, no telling what he was. <laughs> yeah. Telling, no telling what he was thinking, but you could just—it uh, was obvious that she was just fed up. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're you're right. I mean, it's almost like looking back at that scene in the diner when they're there, that or in the motel room and the drive to there and all and all that kind of stuff. Like Betty almost wanted her gone, wanted Emma gone, and didn't want any kind of competition. Which, when you look back on, they think, well, that's sick. I mean, what in the world? But this. Oh man, this this movie. All right, let's we can go on about this for a long time, but I'm I'm not sure I want to go down that path and knock around on Luke Evans' character's head for too long. But the cast, the only person I recognized at first um, was Luke Evans, um, who you know horror fans will know him from Dracula Untold and Ma, a Blumhouse movie which I really liked, um, and then also the big guy, Ethan uh, Brodus Clay, because he is a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is a WWE film. I didn't even know WWE made films. Yeah, oh, they did uh, See No Evil. Yep, and I Leprechaun know- Origins. Oh, they I- did do Leprechaun Origins. See, I didn't know that. I did. I just never put that together. Asher, you're a wrestling fan. I am not. I mean, I've used. I used to watch it when I was a kid, like every yeah. Friday. But I cannot tell you nothing about what's going on with it now. All right, same with me. I mean, but I grew up. I grew up in the '80s, so I grew up with Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and you know, and all that kind of Iron Sheik and all that kind of Jake the Snake and that kind of stuff. And I haven't kept up with any of it since. And I was just shocked to see that it was. But that makes sense because Brodus Clay apparently is very close with the McMahon family. And so, you know, he's put into this uh, movie. And so I knew I kind of recognized that. Where have I seen that guy? And and it didn't uh, click with me at first. Then I saw I Googled him and found out that he's a political commentator, which was like, okay. Um, um, But anyway, Luke Evans, I think, is terrific in this. I mean, I think he just plays the part of a sociopath, psychopath. I think he just plays it so straight. Because I can see where there would be the temptation to go over the top with this character. And he doesn't do that. I mean, he kind of holds his cards close to the chest. I love his performance. Ash, what do you think? Oh, yes. I'm a huge Luke Evans fan. Mm. He could just portray any type of character, and I'm going to fall in love with him. Heck, if I was in this situ- like in this film, I'll probably fall for him myself. <laughs> so, but yeah, his character, yeah, he play one mean guy. Um, and it's like you almost you're almost rooting for him. Yeah, is that weird? Even though he's like the antagonist, I mean, I mean the criminals are bad people too, but he's yeah. taking it to a whole nother level, and you're just like. Do I want to root for him? I don't know if I want to. I kind of want to. But, yeah, he just, I, I'm i so glad they chose him to play this character. I can't imagine another actor portraying this character. But, um, uh-huh. yeah, another person I actually noticed in this cast was um, Lindsay Shaw. She plays Amber. I remember her from my childhood. She played Mose in Nez the Classified. School survival oh, guide. Oh, okay. So when I saw her, I was like, "Oh, there's the bows." <laughs> so, hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. She was. I mean, I didn't recognize her. I just recognized Luke Evans. And like I said, Brodus Clay just looked familiar. And I was like, "Where have I?" And it just, you know, I've seen him just flipping through the channels and noticed he was on some TV show somewhere. But um, Jackson, what did you think of the cast? 
Uh, great cast. I guess they all play their characters well, even though I don't feel like they're given much to work with because a lot of them are disposed of very quickly. Um, like, for instance, uh, the, the the mob, he's not really a mob boss, but the crime leaders, uh, I mean, he's, he's not given any character other than he hates Flynn, he's uh, trying to, you know, be safe while he's committing crimes, he doesn't want to do anything too risky. And then he's killed. He's thrown into what I assume is a wood chipper, but it may be something else. Um, and uh, and then he's gone. And then the other characters we get... I mean, we don't really know much about uh, the other lady in the group. I don't know what her name is, but she, I guess it's it's assumed that she was in a relationship with that uh, the boss, the leader of that group. Yeah. Um, we don't really know much about her other than the fact that she doesn't seem to like Amber very much, and they have a bit of a of a WWE SmackDown in the living room, which <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting. Uh, when I saw WWE Studios, I was not expecting there to be two like actual wrestling scenes in the movie, uh, but they worked it in there. And if I remember correctly, I think Leprechaun Origins actually does also have a little bit of a wrestling scene. But um, yeah, it's a good cat. Luke Evans, I think, has the strongest performance just because he's given the most to work with. Although uh, Adelaide Clemens as Emma, um, not bad either. I I was seeing Betty being built up as the second lead. I was like, oh, okay, so she's going to be the, the female lead. Nope, never mind, I guess. Uh, <laughs> she's killed off pretty quickly, but I thought she well, was she pretty good. Well, she kills herself off, doesn't right. she? I mean, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's probably... she. I mean, that's not 100% her fault. She was kind of forced into a tough spot to begin with, and well, she's got all this guilt on her shoulders and everything. It seems like she's very conflicted inside. Uh, yeah, but I was expecting her to just kind of carry the movie along with Luke Evans. But, of course, the twist comes, and it looks like Emma is is his target for the rest of the movie. Um, you know, I was surprised by how well... Uh, D- Derek Mag Magyar, I guess that's how Magyar. you say it. Magyar, yeah, I yeah. just looked him up. Yeah, let's talk about him because he's, I, I thought he was really creepy mm-hmm. as as Flynn. I mean, he comes across as, and and look, I grew up in Appalachia uh, with a lot of rednecks, and he comes across as one of those. Guys, I mean, I know this guy, unfortunately, and these guys are terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the guys that doesn't surprise me when I go back to my high school reunion. Oh, he's in jail. Oh, of course he is. <laughs> um, you know, he but he plays that very well. But you look up his filmography. He's done a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Not he's, a lot of movies, it seems. Mostly TV. Well, but I mean, he was on Charmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been on Medium. He's been on Criminal Minds. He's been on, but here's the, since 2013, he's been on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> so I assume he's playing a very different character here than he would on Days of Our Lives. I would assume so. So hats off to the guy because I, I think, you know, for the role he was given to be the creep, he plays it well. I mean, you know, uh, when Driver finally just, you know, pops his head like a pumpkin, a rotten pumpkin with a shotgun. I was going back to what you said, Ash. I was rooting for him because mm-hmm. that guy is a creep. I was just waiting for him. I was like, come on, is he next? <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised he lasted as long as he did. 
Because, I mean, you're killing off the more innocent characters like Amber, right? And I'm like, when's Flynn going, man? I mean, he's, he can't be that smart. He's going to get capped eventually, and he did. Yeah, and I'm so glad he did. He's the sharpest tool in the shed. He's just yeah. an angry guy that Freud would have something to say about his anatomy, um, you know, because he's got that I've got to overcompensate kind of crap, you know. <laughs> And oh man! But when I looked through his film, I was like, "Well, this guy doesn't usually play this guy. That's not mm-hmm. him. He really did an outstanding job of playing a creep." So I, yeah, I'm really impressed with the with the cast. And going back, and I want to look up real quick uh, the actress who played Amber. Oh, so, so Lindsay Shaw. That's who you brought up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking at her stuff. Yeah, she's done a lot of stuff too. I mean, these. God bless working actors. Um, but, you know, Lindsay Shaw, that as Amber, um, she's the one who runs right from, she's running through the woods and driver nails her with like, that's either a really long knife or a machete. Mm-hmm. And when she's on the ground and she's like, I didn't do anything wrong. You buy that. I mean, I felt that that was the one time like, Ash, I'm with you. It's like most of the time I'm rooting for Driver to kill this gang off. But with her, I'm like, oh. And then when Driver just goes, well, you're just unlucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah. I mean, man, oh, man, oh, man. And so, oh, anyway. All right. So <laughs> we could go on and on about that. But um with the cast. Any any other members of the cast you guys want to talk about? I don't have anything. Uh, I mean, Bo Knapp kind of surprised me as the boyfriend um, of Amber. Pretty good. I mean, when he's, like, totally ravaged, um, he's playing a very convincing, like, pitiful character. I mean, you can see the pain in his eyes. Um, and he gets one of the more memorable deaths, I feel, I mean, he's he's almost killed off by Luke Evans several different ways. He's shot, then his face is ground in the engine of the car. Oh, uh, yeah. And then eventually, at his final, his, his final death, uh, I think is one of the more brutal ones, uh, Driver shoves a clipboard through his neck and kind of like partially decapitates him, uh, which for a very brutal close-up. Um, so, I mean... He surprised me. I had never... He's in a lot of stuff I recognize. He's in Super 8, which I remember us watching in theaters, Dad. Oh, yeah. Um, and kind of high-profile movies like South Paul, Nice Guys, Death Wish. But I... Oh, he was honestly, in Death Wish with the Bruce Willis one? Yep. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know to what capacity, but I see that on his filmography. And, uh, yeah, he surprised me. He, he, he had a lot of emotional depth with not a lot to work with because his screen time was mostly just he's playing second fiddle to other people. And you mentioned this earlier. Uh, I think he is desperately seeking approval, especially of Amber's dad, because I feel like mm-hmm. he, whenever he says something, uh, he'll back him up. He'll be like, yeah, Flynn. And then Flynn will look at him and be like, who are you? But he's just trying to fit in, and I really sympathize with him for that. Uh, I don't think he deserved what he got because it's obvious to me that he really did care about Amber, and Amber is a good person, so she she must have uh, good judgment of some kind. But, um, 
Yeah, Denny in one of the more memorable roles. As you said, Lindsay Shaw, we were, you were talking about Lindsay Shaw earlier. I think she did a great job. Um, started to introduce the idea that maybe these are real people. You know, they're not uh, just these unsympathetic right. monsters. Uh, they have real struggles, and they, they actually have relationships with each other, and they're a family unit, sort of, um, even though they may disagree. And she ha- she really throws down uh, with uh, – what what is her name? I guess it's Tamara, right? Tamara, yes. yeah. She throws down with Tamara, uh, and I was like, "Holy crap! This is this is WWE right here," um, <laughs> yep. and it was awesome. But uh, yeah, one of the more memorable roles and one of the more memorable deaths. I mean, it looked so painful just just looking at that that prosthetic she had on her. Um, so yeah, I thought the cast was great overall. Yeah, and Tamara, the actress who played Tamara, she has that one scene. I wasn't really impressed with her until she's talking to emma and she just has this look in her eyes she's like well there's the gun mm-hmm. you know because she obviously does not like flynn or does not nobody trust does flynn. <laughs> no 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 nobody trusts her like flynn and she's just like there's the gun and she just has that look on her face it's just like are you gonna do it you know like, and please do it <laughs> oh yeah yeah absolutely and you know, and so she does a good job. I think everybody does a good job of selling their characters. And by the way, she was in the Friday the 13th reboot. She was. She played She played the sister. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I knew I knew her from something. Oh, and I love that movie. And the Maniac remake with Elijah Wood. Wow. Yep, so she has a, a pretty extensive... Uh, horror filmography and filmography in general she's not given as much to work with as you said uh, the scene that really turned me around was that shower scene and then emma points it at her and you're like oh man is she gonna go uh, but i think emma makes the right call not killing her off maybe th- maybe she should have though maybe that would have been more humane than what driver does to her uh with oh, the shower yeah, that was that and was by the brutal. way can we talk about that kill? When you see Luke Evans' bloody face pressed up against that shower curtain, he looks more disturbing than, like, Leatherface. I mean, that is just a terrifying oh, image. Yes. And the display he makes when he kills her is just so brutal. And at that point, that's when I switched around. I was like, okay, I th- honestly, Flynn seems like the lesser of two evils because this guy is a maniac. And that brought that up. That's I'm glad you brought that up because— he fixes Tamara in like a crucifixion pose, right? Yeah, sort of like sort of like a Michael Myers posing of dead bodies. Well, but who else does that? I mean, um, uh, but if you remember in the flashback, when remember they were showing Emma the reality show, uh-huh. where she's featured, you see a boy that's uh, a young college student boy that, that's fixed that way as well. Oh, and real? So, is that his calling yeah. card? I don't know if that's his calling card, but. But that also is what Hannibal Lecter does in Silence of the Lambs to one of the guards uh, yeah, and, and right. so forth. Almost like there's some religious, you know, a hang up or something with them, which goes back to our discussion about Driver's attitude. Is he a serial killer? And like when he's having the discussion with the gang leader, and he's like, well, do I have some of the traits like, you know, this and that and the other? Yes, but, you know, and he's just trying to rationalize but yeah, a lot of serial killers do that. And so it's, uh, I thought that was, you know, I, I thought actually it was going to be something more brutal when he got a hold of Tamara. But when he does that, and then, yeah, that look, I mean, uh, 
I'm I'm actually I, my estimation of this movie is growing as we talk about it, guys. I'm I may have to go back and watch this again tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what else do you want to talk about with this movie, Ash? Um, I think we just about covered everything. I mean, um, we were starting to dabble a little bit into like the killings, like yeah, that they were just gruesome and creative. <laughs> yes, yes, I think you're. I, you know, when I saw this, when you recommended it, I looked it up, because I never even, I just didn't hear about it. And I'm a Luke Evans fan, but it kind of surprised me that I'd never heard of this. And I looked it up, and it was like, first thing was like action, thriller, and third horror. And so we started watching it, and I'm thinking, okay, is this a horror movie? Oh, when they get to the kills, this is a horror movie, because this is, he's a slasher. I mean, yeah. this guy is just, and notice that, you know, yes, he uses guns, but that's not what he typically wants to use. Like when they show the flashback to the killing at that house where Emma's party was going on, they're not gunned down. You've got one person who looks like was drowned in a bathtub. You've got, you know what I mean? They're, they're all over the place. And so, yeah, this guy is, this guy is like Rambo meets Jason Voorhees. I and agree. <laughs> all, and the blood, like, can we talk about the scene? where he takes the gang leader and basically puts his remains in a sack. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Gross. How did and he there... do it so fast? Like, that's the one thing that surprised me about the drivers, how fast he moves. It's mm -hmm. like, it seems like he just has everything planned out. No matter where he's at or what he's dealing with, he has something planned out. Yeah, and he has that. Well, they and they ask him that line, which I almost wondered was kind of tongue in cheek about serial killer depictions in movies, where he's like, you know, somebody asks him why he's doing this or something, and his his response is something along the lines of, "Keeps me fit." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a gym day for him. Can't skip leg day. Can't skip murder. This is, this is you thought you thought CrossFit was extreme. Yeah. <laughs> this is ramping it up this is almost to the level of a spin class not quite there but but it's almost as, as this intense. is this is an extreme peloton thing but anyway i mean yeah i mean he doesn't just kill these i mean because you're thinking okay, if this guy's former marine or, or or whatever they have a person he wants you know, okay, they've got some shotguns, they've got some pistols. You expect him just to break out like a submachine gun and just go to town and just rip the house apart. Nope, not what he's going to do. He's going to light them up and then he's going to stalk them. And he does, you know, stalk them. And it's just... It's creepy because he's just like standing there drenched in blood like, oh, yeah, you see that? You see me? I got mm -hmm. you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and first, of course, he and Jackson, you alluded to this earlier. This is obviously the most unbelievable part, but it was a lot of fun mm -hmm. where he, he's able to stalk the gang and find their hideout by hiding within Brodus Clay's body. Oh gosh. He peels it away like a, like a coat. Like, and, and my question is, okay, I, 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 why did he have to be naked inside there? That's my question. <laughs> I surely you can fit inside that guy's body with clothes on, right? But but here's my here's my uh, answer to that. It's obviously just the director trying to fit in uh, Luke Evans' butt in the movie. He's like, oh, this, this will sell it. Because, but why did he have to be naked? Like honestly. Oh man. You know what's now that you mention that? <laughs> if you notice, like some of these serial killer movie, like 
movies dealing with serial killers, whenever like stuff's about to go down, they tend to be naked. Yeah, and, like vulnerable. I don't want to say vulnerable, but I don't, well, I don't know the right word for it. But it just seems like you know it's about to go down. Have you ever seen uh, Ten to Midnight, the Charles Bronson movie? Uh, no. Oh. I've heard of it, but no. Okay, because there's a, another one where Charles Bronson plays a cop who's hunting down a serial killer, and the serial killer always strips naked and takes like either a knife or a scalpel and runs after his victims. Oh. And so it's definitely worth watching. And the cool thing about 10 to Midnight, not to go on, off on a tangent, but like the actresses that are in it that you'll see, you'll recognize so many of them. Like one of them, tragically, we just lost this week, a very young Kelly Preston is in it. Um, Kelly Preston is in it. Oh, um, Lisa Eichelbacher from Officer and Gentleman, Beverly Hills Cop. She's in it. Plays Charles Bronson's daughter. And there's another one. Uh, oh, uh, what's her name? Ola Ray, who is in it. She gets killed in it. Oh, spoiler alert. But she is. <laughs> I don't think they're spoiling it for anybody. If they haven't well, seen it already, they're not going to. Well, she scared. hasn't seen it, but it's she is Michael Jackson's date in the thriller video. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She's Michael Jackson's date in the thriller video. And it's one of her earliest performances in 10 to Midnight. So it's worth checking out. I've got the Shout Factory uh, Blu-ray and it's got a lot of extras on it. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I remember um, I don't think they show this in the movie, but in the book, Red Dragon, which you got based both the film and Manhunter on in that it says that the Tooth Fairy also strips naked when he goes into a house, when he does a home invasion and kills the family. So, yeah, yeah, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but, yeah, there is something something there. So, and this is just a, a fun fact throughout about, about Luke Evans. I was reading through some stuff on him. He's an openly gay man, and he says that, you know, he lives in Great Britain, and because of the roles he does in, like, Fast and Furious movies and Dracula Untold and Ma and, and this— he says that when he walks into a gay bar, no one believes he's gay. <laughs> yeah. No one believes he's gay. Like, all, all, you know, everyone, all these gay men are like, oh, you're not gay. You're Luke Evans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he can't convince anybody that he's gay. The poor guy does such macho parts. He can't convince anybody that he's gay. He's getting stereotyped. It's, it's terrible. But he is such a great actor. I've always, and even though I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of Dracula Untold. I think he's so good in it. And here's the problem but, but th that we go back to, and maybe this is where we're, we'll kind of wrap up, Jackson, unless there's something you want to bring up, which is, you know, what Luke Evans does in this role is, you know, even his, like, his look. So when he's talking to Emma or when he's talking to Betty, he somehow pulls off this, like, 100-yard stare thing. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you see that with, with some serial killers, if, if you watch enough true crime stuff. I mean, it looks like he actually did a lot of research for this low-budget role. And so my hat's off to the guy. I mean, it's just because he does kind of the thing. I mean, it's a different portrayal, obviously. But, you know, my favorite horror movie of all time is Psycho, the original Psycho. And you have that thing where you're almost rooting for Anthony Perkins. Mm -hmm. You're almost feeling sorry for him. 
And you kind of have that. Luke Evans almost seems to suck you into that. And then it breaks with those parts like we talked about when he's like, you know, looking at Amber and going, well, you're just unlucky. You know, and you're like, what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really sold on this movie. Jackson, what else do you want to talk about? What else you got in your notes there, buddy? Uh, so, okay. We've, we touched on the theme where he cuts his throat with a box cutter, right? But I really want to go through the logic of this. I'm not convinced that Luke Evans, uh, the driver, is as smart as you're led to believe he is. So he tells Emma how to uh, save someone after they've, they've had their throat slit, and then uh, slits his own throat, right? Mm-hmm. She bandages it up, but that doesn't, that doesn't solve the fact that he has an artery cut you know, in his <laughs> neck. You can't just stitch that up. That's an open artery. You need surgery for that. It depends uh, how deep you cut, buddy. So listen, so listen. <laughs> So he get, he goes to the after this I guess he gets up gets out of the cell goes to the hospital and what does he tell them that he cut it while shaving what's he gonna do you know what I mean uh, I feel like he's kind of got a death wish at some point does he do you really think he's got a death wish I'm not sure he does I think he plays that, it pretty risky well yeah he plays it pretty risky but he seems to be pretty confident that he's gonna come out on top I mean I I I think I'm going back to I'm kind of selling myself on the what we talked about, which I think he's trying to like build like-minded folks and like he's trying to create like almost a family unit for himself of like like-minded people and that he's gotten Betty almost there and he's trying to get Emma there and she just won't fully cooperate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, okay. What about the scene where Emma is pointing the shotgun at him and he's walking towards her and he's like, shoot me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she tries, and it wasn't it wasn't pumped. So it, yeah, it, but where was she? What was he wearing, and where was it pointed? I guess so. But here's the thing: that also that no, it also was pointed at his chest, and she knows he's yes, wearing a Kevlar vest. He is so wearing I Kevlar think, vest. I think she just wanted to knock him down, and so she could run away. But here's the thing: with the spread of a shotgun, I very much doubt that he could take it all. And you see, the top of his chest is bare, so that means it's mostly like. It's it's mostly in his gut area. The spread and power of a shotgun. I'm I'm not sure that point blank you can really stop. It would it would knock all the air out of you at least and incapacitate you. Well, for and a that's what while. I think she wants to do. Is I think she does want to just knock him out and and just get away. She wants to get away. But the, we didn't talk about this real quick. Then when you know like Flynn and Tamara and others are talking to her about getting her back home to her dad, she doesn't seem real happy about that either. Yeah, that's true. I, I guess an, another part of it is maybe she was running away from her family to begin with, you know, out partying and whatnot, didn't want to be with her family. I feel like, like rebelling she rebelling against them. Yeah. Because she's I feel a, like the heiress. Right. And I feel like she knows that as soon as she goes back, her parents are never going to let her go again. She's never going to be able to go out. Her whole life is going to be being under the watch of her parents, and that's, that's it. And that doesn't seem like any life to live. Um, you'd almost be held captive by your own family at that point. Uh, so I feel like she just wants to be let free where she is and, and just try to make a, a life for herself. That's what I think. Ash, what do you think? I mean, it seems like Emma doesn't, she doesn't want to go back to her parents. She doesn't want to be held captive by Luke Evans' character. She just wants to be free, period. Is that is that how you took it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, took, I definitely took it that way. And yeah, I wish I, we just knew more. <laughs> I, I know, I know. And they do kind of set this up like it could be, you know, another movie. Unfortunately, it didn't do that well, which is a shame because I would I would like to see sequels to this. Right. And I feel like 
with us agreeing that she just wants to be free. If you notice at the end, after Driver kills, um, I forgot the, the boyfriend's name, and he walks past Emma on the stretcher, he gently touches her wrist. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's the way of him saying, like, you're free now. Like, you got this. You can handle it yourself. Yeah. And he removed the tracking device, which is why she was going to the hospital, because he had to stab her, take out the tracking device. It was like, yeah, you're... It's almost like he was training her to be like maybe the daughter. And it was like, okay, you've, you've made me proud. You know, you're on your own now. But it's certainly the look on his face. He looks so happy with himself when he's mm-hmm. walking out of that hospital. And they set this up so that, you know, you could have done a trilogy of these films with him just going and doing this stuff and always trying to figure out who he is kind of like Rutger Hauer's character in the hitcher. Like what's going on here? Who is this guy? And, and so I thought it was fascinating, but anyway, Jackson, anything else? Yeah, I do have uh, two things to say about that. First of all, when he removes the tracker, that is a really painful scene. When he stabs her, yeah, when he (laughs) stabs her, I I think it mostly comes down to the sound design. When he stabs her, I felt it. I was like, Oh, that's gotta hurt. Um, And and uh, Emma's reaction as well, where she's kind of like out of breath. She, it, I mean, oh my gosh! But uh, the scene where at the very end he's walking away in slow motion and a smile, you know, slowly creeps over his face. I don't know how to feel about it because it felt like the ending of The Usual Suspects, and I was like, well, hold on here, is there going to be a sequel? No, I'm I'm very confused. Um, it seemed like it was all. Like rap, it was. It, they were like, okay, now we're gonna go on his next adventure. And then I look at the runtime, and I'm like, no, we have two minutes left, and that's got credits, you know. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't even know if they would have made a sequel though, because where can you really go with it? If I don't think Emma would go after uh, Luke Evans, I don't think she would try to track down the driver because she wanted to be free. Why would she? Why would she even put herself in that situation again? So you can't really do a revenge story where she's trying to find the driver. I think it's him going on and trying to create a new family or whatever's going on there. I mean, I think yeah. it's a totally new story. But I think I you set lose Emma a- free and he's just he's just going on. But I feel like you lose a lot there cuz Emma and his like their dynamic is probably the most interesting part of the movie. I feel like if it's just some other new victim that he's going and well, trying to Well, you've seen, I know you've seen, because I gave it to you, you've seen Victor Crowley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... What, remember the post-credit scene with Danielle Harris? I don't know. I feel like this is a different beast. This is not on the same level as the Hatchet. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I can see. I can see them doing a post credit scene where Emma's watching TV and they're talking about this guy that they describe maybe with a police sketch, and she's like, "Oh, it's on. I'm hunting this. He's not. He's not living with me free." So I can see that. But anyway, what else you got before we wrap up? Not. I just. I could just sum up my thoughts here succinctly. I think that would be a nice little bow on on my. Go for it. Uh, Go for it. So. I think there are occasional like great acting moments, especially from Luke Evans and uh, De- Derek Magar or Magyar. Um, I thought they were really good. Overall, I think it's just av- there are some parts that I didn't really feel totally compelled. I think, and mm-hmm. it, they do have explanations just because it's awkward. You know, they have interesting relationships that you wouldn't necessarily uh, expect. Like I feel like the, the beginning part when uh, Driver and Betty are in the car and they're talking, it do- it feels kind of awkward, and that may just be you know obviously because she's a captive and he's her captor. 
but uh, a lot of it also has to come down to the writing, which I feel that that comes down to the budget as well, so I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The music isn't bad. The only time it really hit me was that ending scene uh, where Driver uh, brushes up against Emma as she goes into the hospital, and it's like the the synth soundtrack, almost like a Carpenter movie, Um, Mm -hmm. which which is funny because we just did that that Patreon bonus episode. But... um, Yeah. (laughs) I really like the gore. I think there are a lot of practical effects. Um, there is some CGI. Like, I noticed some CGI blood, but that's mostly, like, when projectiles are being uh, shot at people. Um, so I think they did the best they could on on their budget. And they are super brutal and creative, so I have to commend them on that. Um, so, yeah, that's how I feel about it, and I'm ready to move on to rating and reviewing. All right, and folks, this is only 80 minutes long about, and it's streaming free on Tubi, so you can check it out that way. Ash, going horror movie podcast uh, style, on a scale 1 to 10, what do you rate No One Lives? I would give this an 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Okay, and do you recommend buying or streaming, or should they just go ahead, since it's on Tubi, to go ahead and check it out that way, or...? Um, yes, I would definitely recommend it, um, uh, streaming on Tubi first, but I went ahead and bought it. Great. So I, I'm the owner of the movie. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And so Jackson, what about you? Where are you coming in at? I'm not coming in as high. It's a seven out of 10 for me, but still a very positive rating. I would say, uh, stream it on Tubi, uh, because why not? It's, it's, it's a short watch. Um, but I think it is a good investment of your time. You will get enjoyment out of it. So yeah, seven out of 10, I would recommend you stream it. All right, I'm coming in between you two. I'm coming at a 7.5. I definitely think I think it's a, I think it's a solid stream recommendation, and um, check it out on Tubi. And then, you know, if you if you dig it, you should buy it. And so I'm I'm definitely going to look at the the Blu-ray or the DVD and see what's on it. But before we uh, reveal our pick for episode 52, and we have some guests uh, coming on, we do want to thank our Patreon supporters. We just did a bonus episode, didn't we, Jackson? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I saw some people were playing along. We had a little trivia game where you put me on the spot to see if I could identify horror scores, and I did okay. So <laughs> you 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 had a passing grade. I had a passing grade. Yeah, I'll take that. So, all right. Before we reveal what uh, episode fifty two is going to be out, uh, Ash, where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Ash to Ashes. That's Ash with the X in the middle. Ashes. Excellent. And of course, the excellent podcast. Kill the Dead Podcast. Kill the Dead Podcast. Absolutely. So, and Jackson, what about where they can find you online? On Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K A I N E underscore Hero 12. I've also got a Letterbox account, uh, that which is Kane Hero, one word. And I've got a YouTube channel, which is always floating around the interwebs. Wonderful. And you can find us on fatherandsonwatchhorror.com and on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a closed Facebook group that's fairly small only about 50 people but it's uh but it's a lot of fun um i can be found on twitter and letterboxd as pastor matt r and so next time we will be covering a slasher that just dropped a shutter from 1981 a tom savini effects movie the burning yes which means gilman joel you have to watch it now. You have no excuse. He's never seen The Burning. So you have to watch The Burning. He has Shudder. He listens to this podcast. Joel, you have to watch The Burning, buddy. Come on. Step up. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have. 
Um, thanks, Ash, for being on. It was a privilege. It was a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye, and remember not to commit credit card fraud. That's how, you, that's how they get you, man. I mean, every good criminal is caught. Interesting name. <laughs> oh, that poor motel owner. Oh. <laughs> and that poor cop. Yeah. Shot right there. Right through the eye. Anyway, remember, folks, the family that watches horror together slays together. See you next time.